So, you seen any good football games lately? <laughs> wow, man. Uh, Stanford's long, strange trip is over. And uh, the Road Dogs might be the Pac-12's best team. We have so much to talk about and so much to break down. And thank you for joining us for it on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network, Sunday, December 20, 2020. Glad you're with us. I'm Troy Clarity. Thank you for being here for an action-packed episode of the program. A lot to do. Of course, we're going to spend time talking about Stanford versus UCLA and the Cardinals' double overtime win over the Bruins. Holy smokes. You're going to hear post-game sound from Stanford head coach David Shaw, Cardinal quarterback Davis Mills, Stanford wide receiver Simi Fohoko, and Stanford outside linebacker Gabe Reed. I'm going to give out some awards before the end of the show. That's always fun because this is the end of the season, right? No better time to, to hand out some hardware. The TreeCast Awards coming up a bit later on in the show. And plus, I, I just, I just want to ask one simple question at the end of it all. So a lot to do on the TreeCast. Thank you for being with us for it all. I'm in Detroit Clarity. Wrapping up my 28th season of Stanford football. 28. And as much as a four-win season can be, <laughs> this was probably one of the more remarkable seasons I've covered for many, many different reasons. Look, I've been there. I've been right in front of the tunnel on the field when the Stanford Cardinal have run out onto the field at the Rose Bowl on January 1st. I've seen some great moments, some of the best programs, some of the best moments in this program's history. I've been there for some absolute low points. But this is just absolutely one of the more remarkable seasons that I think anyone involved with Stanford football, whether they're inside the program, outside the program, can possibly remember. And uh, what a game for it to finish up on, eh? Stanford beating UCLA 48-47 in double overtime. The Road Dogs, as they become known now, finishing the season 4-2 and two with a four-game winning streak. The Road Dogs. I remember the Trench Dogs back in the late 90s. Willie Howard, Rial Johnson and that crew. Shout out to those guys. But the Trench Dogs, a generation later, becoming the Road Dogs and doing big things all over again. We're going to get you three things that you need to know about Stanford UCLA coming up in just a brief moment. But first, this bit of business. NFL season is wrapping up with the playoffs looming in the horizon. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So many things. Uh, where, where do I start with, with this game? Stanford-UCLA. I wasn't planning on talking about this whole game a lot on this episode and, and focusing instead a bit more on the future. And we'll get to that in a bit. But, but man, what... <laughs> I'm not even sure where to begin. Even with the mixed extra, a missed extra point that, that didn't seem to have much impact at the time, Stanford rolled out to a 20-3 halftime lead. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson was out of the game with a leg injury, and the Cards were about to cruise 
to their fourth straight win. Everything's cool, right? Well, let's begin three things you need to know about Stanford UCLA, starting with number one. And everything changed in this game in the third quarter. Stanford went three and out and threw two picks, the first interceptions of the season thrown by Davis Mills. Meanwhile, UCLA ran for 149 yards and scored three touchdowns. That third touchdown gave UCLA a 24-20 lead on the first play of the fourth quarter. Hey, Coach Shaw, what happened in that third quarter? That third quarter was a lot of what you saw. They're good up front. They're physical. Um, we gave them a couple of wide-open guys, which I still don't know how those happened. Um, but they they started gaining momentum in the run game, and we couldn't stop them. Um, but thankfully, we had enough time, and we got some special guys on the offensive side uh, to be able to come back and, and put it into overtime and then make the plays to win. Um, spoiler alert, Coach. <laughs> we'll get there. But, but before all of that, it got worse for Stanford. A pick six thrown by Davis Mills gave the Bruins a 34-20 lead with 5.39 to go. Mills on how he felt at that very moment. Pretty low point. Uh, it was my first pick six I've ever thrown in my life. So thought about that for a second. But, I mean, once I was back on the sideline, just my eyes went back, uh, snapped forward, and, I mean, did what we had to do to get through the rest of the game. Whoa, first pick six ever in his career? Wow, that's uh, that's something else tells you a lot, too. However, Mills, as he is wont to do, went right back to work, drove 75 yards in 11 plays, finds Simi Fajoko for a touchdown. UCLA's up 34-27 with 2.34 to go. UCLA recovers the onside kick. Even worse, they return it back to the Stanford 27. Third and eight with a minute 43 to go. Backup UCLA quarterback Chase Griffin and backup running back Britton Brown botch the option. They fumble it. Stephen Heron forces it, and Dalen Wade Perry recovers it with a minute 38 to go. Stanford ball. Davis Mills converts fourth and one on a sneak. I didn't think he got it, but it survived the review. Fajoko later landed one foot out of bounds on what would have been a big catch to the UCLA 20-yard line, but then he came back and made a big 20-yard grab on the next play. Was hurt on that play, came back on the next play, and then made a 21-yard touchdown catch down the seam to tie it with 18 seconds left. Teams traded touchdowns in overtime. UCLA first, then Stanford. Jet Toner hit the upright on the extra point, but it went through anyway, and after I changed my shorts, we went to double overtime. Simu Fajoko, the touchdown grab to put Stanford ahead, 48-41. Gabe Reed sacked Chase Griffin, made it a 12-yard loss, back to the Stanford 21. Bruins facing fourth and 18. Griffin chased out to the right, throws to the front right pylon, and completes it for a 21-yard touchdown. UCLA now up in one. Chip Kelly decides to go for two. Thomas Booker forces an intentional grounding. That should have ended the game. Stanford's on the field. They think it's over, right? No. Flag on the play. Defensive holding offsets the intentional grounding penalty that would have been called on UCLA. It was called on Zoran Manley. I thought that was a bit questionable. So we have to do it again. They hand off to Britton Brown, and he's stopped well short of the goal line by Stephen Heron on the backside. Ball game. Finally, Stanford gets the 48-47 win. Gabe Reed on that crazy, crazy sequence in the second overtime. Yeah, it was a blur, you know, and then and then for them to go for two, we stop them. There's penalties involved, like just just to really attest to the, the focus of our defense. I'm proud of our guys that we were able to lock in and, you know, hey, we got a big stop and then, you know, it's a touchdown. And 
two-point conversion, it's a stop, and then penalties. But just really proud of our defense for stepping up and focusing uh, on finishing the game. Yeah, Stanford led by 17 and trailed by 14 in the same game. Just nuts. The most 2020 game possible. Incredible day for the team. An incredible day for one young man in particular, which brings us to number two. Big day for Simi Fajoko, Stanford wide receiver. 16 catches. That's a Stanford record. For 230 yards, that's third all-time in the school record books. And three touchdowns. Simi reacted to his record-setting performance. That's It's crazy. I, I mean, I was... We came into the locker room. I knew I had a couple. You know, I knew I had more than my previous, like, six. Um, I, I was thinking I had, like, 10, maybe maybe 11, and, and, you know, I was just happy. And then, you know, Elijah comes up, tells me the stat line. I was shocked. I had no idea. Um, and, again, we had no idea coming into this that this was, this was how it was going to turn out. Um, you know, we had a couple shot plays in. Ended up not working out for, for some of them. Um, and, you know, we knew, like, Davis was just looking over at me giving me signals, whatever the play was called, he, he was looking my way, and, and you know, credit to him, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, Fajoko's 15th catch, and we'll talk more about that catch in a bit, that set the school record, which had been held by four different Cardinal players, Eric Cross, Vincent White, Brad Muster, and Jim Price, each caught 14 balls to share the record up until Saturday night. Up and down day for Fajoko, couple of drops, uh, the back foot landing out of bounds on, the, on what would end up being the game-tying uh, drive in the fourth quarter, but a big day nonetheless. And and, and just, just another in a long line of big-time days for Stanford wide receivers against UCLA. Troy Walters, 278 yards and three touchdowns in 1999. Uh, 2001, Taylor Johnson's one-handed grab for a touchdown that made Sports Illustrated. Ridiculous touchdown grabs by Cody Whitfield in 2013 and Francis Owusu in 2015. And, of course, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside saving the day in 2016. Add to that list... Simi Fajoko. Not bad, my man. Let's finish up three things with number three. And Stanford's long, strange road trip from Seattle to Corvallis to Santa Barbara to Pasadena is now over with no bowl game for the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, they declined that opportunity. They hit the road on December the 1st, played UCLA on December the 19th, and did not set one foot in Santa Clara County in between. So... What next? David Shaw's answer. Number one on the docket is everybody sleeping in their own beds. Uh, the, I, I never, I don't think I ever really appreciated uh, just that idea of like getting back to my room. Uh, we've all been gone for three weeks um, and I don't call it sacrifice. Nobody sacrificed anything. Uh, we made a decision uh, to do this and we poured all ourselves into it. But it's time for everybody to get a break. We all need a break. Um, uh, there's no bull. Um, I think everybody's happy about that. As much as we love bowl games, wouldn't be a real bowl experience. We, we couldn't go back to Santa Clara County to practice anyway. Um, so for everybody, we get a nice long break. They push, Stanford pushed back the beginning of winter quarter. So you guys have even a little bit more time. Um, so for us, it's for everybody to relax, get back to their families, take a deep breath, hopefully um, get some nice, good COVID news in the next month or so um, and get ready for the 21 season. So. Um, we're all just kind of going to take a deep breath, um, take a break, uh, have some conversation with some of our seniors, uh, uh, some some NFL decisions, et cetera, coming up. Um, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take a break. Yeah, a well-earned break for all involved. Players, coaches, support staff, especially the operations crew. My God, uh, they, 
<laughs> I, I hope it's in the budget. I mean, athletic department budgets are, are in the dumper these days, but those folks need raises in the operations department for the football squad. But a well-earned break for all involved, and they'll have a bit of a smile on their faces heading into the break, closing out a four-game win streak, one of the more remarkable events in recent Stanford football history. Those are three things. Some stats of note from the game. Davis Mills, 32 of 47, 428 yards, three interceptions, but three touchdowns. You're going to hear more from Davis Mills coming up in just a moment or so. Uh, wide receiver Bryson Tremaine, four catches, 88 yards, all in the first half. Austin Jones, 23 carries for 92 yards and two scores. Uh, nice to see Isaiah Sanders. Hadn't seen him, seen him over the last couple of games. Uh, coming in as the Wildcat quarterback of sorts, the grad transfer from the Air Force Academy. Two carries, five yards, two touchdowns, including that touchdown in the first overtime to keep the Cardinal alive. Nice moments for that young man. Defensively, Stanford allowed 291 yards rushing, 219 of them to Britton Brown. Cardinal finished up the season, by the way, allowing 222 yards rushing per game. Malik Antoine, 14 total tackles, nine solo, broke up a couple of passes. Mavani Damuni, Stanford linebacker, 12 total tackles, six of them solo. Gabe Reed, two sacks and three tackles for loss. And the unsung guy, Stephen Heron, six solo tackles, forced the fumble to keep Stanford alive in the fourth quarter, a sack, a couple tackles for loss, and made the stop on the two-point conversion. So the defensive numbers, not pretty at all. But those guys in particular made the plays that needed to be made to keep Stanford in the win column. Same goes for, for Davis Mills. You know, some throws that he would love to have back, but still an incredible day overall and a remarkable season overall. Let's check out a portion of his media availability with a couple of questions from yours truly, and it begins with Mills' reflections on this season. Oh, it was incredible. It's been a journey. I mean, all of 2020 from when the season was canceled in August, I guess, and then they called it back on and kept getting delayed. Um, I mean, full trust in our team. We really came together and really had that mindset, whatever it takes, and we've leaned on that. Uh, the past couple of weeks on the road, um, I mean, it's been tough, but I mean, just commend my teammates. Everyone stepped up, guys stepped up when we needed them. Um, and I mean, this team just really knows how to win. And I think I was talking to Coach Pritchard about it too. Like you really need to learn how to win, especially those young guys coming in, making plays. Like, I think we've done a great job all year, just finding ways to win. Even when it's the tables are turned against us, um, we've bounced back. And I mean, I love these guys. This team's been great all year, and we came out this last past four games, I mean, just undefeated. It's been great. The uh, possession in uh, second overtime with two big throws, both to Fajoko, the first one, I believe, on third down, and then the second one, the drop in the bucket for the touchdown. Can you just take me through those two plays as you remember them? Um, the first one, just, I mean, we had a three-by-one concept where I have full freedom to alert backside if we get a chance to do that. Um, saw the corner was off, so I alerted his route and gave him a five-yard stop. Um, just plugged him out there and was able to pick up the first down. And then after that, kind of had to run RPO. Um, I can hand it off if we don't really have good matchups on the edge, but, I mean, I saw one-on-one -on -one out there, and I know Simi's going to win it 10 times out of 10, so I gave him a chance, and he was able to come down with it. As of right now, as we speak, where do you think this Stanford team stacks up in the Pac-12? Uh, number one, Pac-12 champs. I wish I wish we would have gotten a chance. Um, obviously, we had the 
best uh, record in the Pac-12 North once Washington was able to, or was um, ruled out. So wish we would have gotten a chance, but I mean, can't take away this one from us. I, I think this was a good feeling playing capping off this whole season in the Rose Bowl was fun. Hey, there you have it. Davis Mills has declared Stanford as Pac-12 champs. Print the t-shirts, start the parade. Well, maybe not in this day and age, but hey, Stanford is Pac-12 champions, according to Davis Mills. I'll take it. By the way, while we're declaring things, um, since Stanford treated that game like it's bowl game, and since no other football games are going to be held in that building this season, I'm declaring Stanford Rose Bowl champs for the season too. How about that? Back to Davis's point. And it's kind of hard to argue, right? I mean, Oregon is the Pac-12 champion. Congrats. Hey, look, terrible situation. Congrats to the Ducks for taking advantage of their opportunity. But the Ducks have the third best record in the Pac-12 North behind Stanford and Washington. And if Stanford played Oregon now, well, maybe give everyone a week to recover, but if Stanford played Oregon this week, who knows how much different it might look than it did when Stanford didn't have Mills in Eugene in week one. And look, every Pac-12 team has massive flaws. Massive flaws. I'm not saying that whoever won the Pac-12 this year should have been worthy of, of college football playoff discussion. No, no. Every Pac-12 team has massive flaws. Stanford's defense and inexperience. Uh, Cal special teams. Uh, Oregon's offense. Uh, Washington's young quarterback in their run defense, uh, USC's allergy to playing 60 minutes. All of the Pac-12 teams have massive flaws this year. But if Stanford had to go against somebody this week, would you count them out? I wouldn't. Ducks might be the conference champs. Huskies might be the division champs. But the card finish is the hottest team in the Pac-12. It's got to count for something. And given Stanford's four-game win streak, yet given everything that's also gone into not just the past three weeks, but but everything that's gone into this entire season, after the game was done on Saturday night, I asked David Shaw how much of him wished the card had another game to play this week and how much of him is glad it's all over. That's a great question, and I don't really have an answer for you because we're exhausted everybody's exhausted. I would say 90% of college football is exhausted. Um, it's been hard, especially for those of us on the West Coast that have had probably more issues. Um, and once again, I don't blame county officials. I don't blame states making it. They're trying to save people's lives. God bless them. So I have no issue with that. I have no issue at all with what Santa Clara County, I have no issue any, with anything anybody's done. But um, we, we've had to fight through so much. And, and I have to say this again, not having a single positive COVID test in a hotbed um, that, that we were in for a long time says a lot about our guys, but it was hard. It was not easy. Um, and then, uh, you know, but at the same time, you hate the end of the year because we're not going to get to play games again for another year. Um, so, yeah, there's that part of me that says, gosh, it'd be great if we had one more game. But the other part of me says, you know what, these guys have been through enough. Um, they've worked hard enough. They've given each other, I won't say they've given me, they've given each other everything they could, especially the last four games. Um, and they need, they deserve a break. Can't blame them. Can't blame them. I can't blame any of these teams for opting out with the situations being what they are. And 
five bowl eligible Pac-12 teams chose to sit at home. Only two games, or only two teams rather, appear to be going. Oregon, because as Pac-12 champs, they, they kind of have to now. And Colorado, because they got jobbed last week. So I can't blame them. And the ultimate mixed feelings, right? I, I think you I think he sensed that from Coach Shaw. The ultimate in mixed feelings. And and Shaw has already called this the the season of what ifs. You know, what if all of this didn't happen? What if this team also still had Walker Little and Pulse Nadebo? You know, what if that test didn't come back with a false positive in Eugene? So many what ifs this year. So mixed feelings abound for Coach Shaw, but uh, I'm, I'm certain that he is much happier to have gotten that win over UCLA more than anything else right now. A couple odds and ends from the game. Uh, Stanford got the touchdown with 18 seconds left in regulation. And instead of going for two and the outright win in regulation, David Shaw kicked the extra point and played for overtime. Now, back in 2016, I asked Shaw what variables he considers or he would consider when trying to figure out and decide whether to kick an extra point for overtime or go for two in the outright win. Here's what he told me. This is a direct quote from September 2016. Quote from David Shaw. I'll play the percentages. I love going into overtime. I love our defensive philosophy and the way we play in the red zone. And I love our offensive philosophy and the way we play in the red zone. So for me, I'll typically say, let's take it to overtime. End of quote from David Shaw back in September 2016 when I asked him his thoughts on, on playing for overtime or going for the win. So I wasn't surprised to see Shaw kick it this time around and play for overtime, even though the 2020 defense isn't exactly the, the 2016 version. Given that, I asked him what went into playing for overtime this time around. I'm all about kicking it until you have to go for two. And... Um, you know the, the 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 statistics and the 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 gurus that have all these charts, etc. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit of an old school guy. I think you have a, a few two point plays. I think you save them until you need them. And uh, part of it is, you know, what happened tonight? And what's gonna? I don't I don't blame Chip um, for for going for it and trying to end it. And we had stopped the run the whole second half, so I don't blame him. But the hard part is if you don't get it, then the game's over. And there's that empty feeling. And um, you know, John Gruden used to always tell me, hey, don't try to win the game as a play caller. You know, let the guys win the game on the field. So uh, that's, that's always in the back of my mind. We're going to kick it until we have to go for two, until we get late in the third quarter, early in fourth quarter, like we did last week. So we have to now play the numbers game. But the score's tied. Hey, we'll just keep tying it and uh, and see if we can pull away. And thankfully, uh, thankfully, we made the play at the end. That's David Shaw. And, you know, all that being said, I would have gone for it. I would have gone for it. And I've, I've said it before, in a sport where, where many coaches seem to be coaching not to lose, it's a shot to the system when a coach coaches to win. And I think a little bit of that is at work here. I would have gone for it, but you know what? Hey, I'm just some guy sitting in his home office with, with a microphone, and I'm not, uh, I'm not paid to, to run a football program for whatever that's worth. By the way, not for nothing, David Shaw's record in overtime games as a as Cardinal head coach, five and three, which is all right, you know, still about five hundred, but five and three should be six and two 
I, I haven't got, forgotten that that result in South Bend in, in 2012. That, that still really irritates me. Um, when I was thinking about this game in the run-up to it, I, I was having trouble visualizing Stanford's defense limiting both Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA's quarterback, and their running back, Demetric Felton. I thought they would slash Stanford's defense all night for, for tremendously big numbers. Well, as it turned out, Felton didn't play in the game. He actually opted out to get ready for the Senior Bowl. At least that was the report that uh, the ESPN broadcast crew was going with. And I, I thought that impacted UCLA's game plan right off the bat. DTR was passing more than I expected, and the results were mixed. And it, it reached a point where I was sitting there saying, look, the only way UCLA can win this game is with DTR's legs. If he breaks contain, as he had on several occasions, and makes big plays with his legs. I wasn't convinced that DTR could beat Stanford by throwing the ball. Then Thompson Robinson went down with his injury late in the second quarter. So what was the game plan versus DTR? And what were the objectives once Chase Griffin came in? I asked that of Cardinal outside linebacker Gabe Reed. Yeah, I think going into the game, you know, especially after last year's game, we were looking to, to try and contain him. Um, just limit his, his scrambling yards and, uh, you know, obviously he, he, he got, got a few on us, but with him going out, I think we're still focusing on containing a mobile quarterback. We knew coming in that uh, number 11 can make some plays with his feet as well. Um, but just really, really trying to uh, stop the run game, especially QB run as well with him. There was a lot of design, like option stuff that we're looking to, um, to limit. Yeah, Griffin didn't do that much on the ground, but in the passing department, he went 9 of 11, 127 yards and four touchdowns. And quite honestly, that second half with Griffin and backup running back Britton Brown looked about how I thought the entire game would have looked with DTR and Demetric Felton. But the defense came through. Stephen Heron forcing that fumble, helping to force that fumble at the end of the fourth quarter and coming through big on the two-point conversion. The unblocked linebacker on the weak side, how many times have we seen that bite Stanford over the years? The straight handoff up the middle, leave the weak side linebacker unblocked, and he comes in and makes the stop from behind. We've seen that bite Stanford a few times over the years, the 2017 Pac-12 championship game in particular. But this time, it works in Stanford's favor. A Stanford quarterback throws a late pick six that seems to seal Stanford's fate. But then he rallies his squad to big scores and an eventual win in overtime. That sound familiar? That sound familiar to you? Well, that happened between Stanford and UCLA on Saturday night. It also happened nine years ago between Stanford and USC. Probably the best game in Stanford football history. That night in 2011 at the LA Coliseum, won that night by Andrew Luck and crew. I, I still get exhausted just thinking about that game. Well, this time, it was Davis Mills rebounding from throwing a pick six and winning anyway. If you notice similarities in real time between those two games, you weren't the only one. After that third interception, Davis Mills was reminded by his own offensive coordinator. Davis tells us the story. Coach Critch has told us that in the QB room a couple times. He told me, we got on the headset, and he was like, hey, uh, have I told you the USC story? And I go, oh, no, can you remind me? And it was basically uh, Andrew threw a pick, came back down, and scored 
uh, laser focus um, and did what he did, did what he needed to to get the team to win. So, I mean, just, I mean, the coaches trusted me, the team trusted me. I had to redeem myself at some point and obviously we got the win. So we were able to do that. You know, sometimes it's nice when history repeats itself. <laughs> Even though that, that game was a lot more harrowing than it probably should have been, especially given how things went in the first half. Stanford still able to rebound from what could have been just a back-breaking, crippling turnover for points and winning the game anyway. Saw it nine years ago at the Coliseum. Saw it Saturday night again at the Rose Bowl. Uh, one more thing, one more odd and end on this game. Uh, maybe the best moment of the game that was something you did not see. I did not see it either. I was not at the Rose Bowl. Thought about it for a brief, like two seconds. And I was like, no, nah, I, can't, I can't go down there. But after the game was done, David Shaw huddled up the entire team on the field and addressed them. Why? Shaw explained. I wanted them to, to be able to give the seniors a hand. Um, so I had all the fourth and fifth year seniors stand up and, uh, and, and, applaud, and the whole team applauded those guys. Um, they didn't get a senior day. They didn't get a, any kind of a normal senior year, not scholastically, not interpersonally, not, not athletically. Um, and for, for us to be able to do what we've done the last four weeks, you can't do that without leadership. You can't do that without senior leadership. And, um, so I had to make sure that on the field, we got a chance to, to give those guys a round of applause. Yeah. Well, well done by Shaw. And that's a, that's a stand up move for a standout group of seniors who had to deal with a lot more than, than, than any senior class for Stanford football has ever had to deal with. So a stand up move for a standout group. Speaking of standouts, let's hand out some awards. We didn't do this last year. We may have done it in 2018. I can't remember, because uh, even though that was two years ago, it seemed like it was 10 years ago in some respects, 2020 being what it is. But let's hand out the TreeCast Awards. Oh, I didn't realize we were bringing a band for this one. Okay, all right, I'll take it. Um, some awards to, to recognize and honor some of the great moments and some of the great performances and players uh, that we uh, saw for Stanford football in this truncated 2020 season. And let's start with the play of the year. And I, I think this one's a pretty obvious call. Thomas Booker blocking the extra point at Cal with 58 seconds left and preserving Stanford's 24-23 win. Now, maybe Cal head coach Justin Wilcox should have gone for two. He even admitted as much after that game was done. But you know what? Who cares? Without that blocked extra point, Stanford doesn't get its first win of the year, doesn't get the confidence that, that it would have needed for its grand tour that we were not aware of at the time, and it doesn't get the ax back. Thomas Booker's blocked extra point against Cal is your play of the year. Newcomer of the year. Give this one to linebacker Lavani Damuni. Got an interception on his very first snap of the year against Oregon. Wasn't exactly his Cardinal debut because he played in the uh, Notre Dame season finale of 2019, but made a, made a big impact right away, literally, in 2020 this year. He was active. He helped stabilize the inside linebacker spot next to Curtis Robinson, and that was very much needed. Jacob Mangum Farrar, Ricky Miazon, lost for the season very early on and that inside linebacker core also suffered injuries during preseason camp. Tristan Sinclair comes to mind. 
So that spot needed to be stabilized, and it was. Big props to the Mooney. Also showed a little sideline-to-sideline -side ability that I think had, had largely been missing since Bobby Okariki. Even though I think Okariki was still better uh, heading upfield and downfield, he still showed some sideline-to-sideline -side ability at times. So did DeMooney. And the best news, he's just a sophomore this year. Can't wait to see what he can bring going forward, and it'll be much needed, too. Surprise of the year? Normally, you would think of a player or a position unit. I'm thinking none of the above there. The surprise of the year was Davis Mills' wonky test before the Oregon game. I mean, that, that's the surprise, right? I'm standing in line at, at Target. My wife and I are running errands just before that game, and we're checking out. I get a text, and I get an email. Davis Mills tested positive. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Well, thank goodness it was a false positive. But as the days went by and more of the Pac-12 football season unfolded, that mishandling of his test ended up looming larger and larger and larger and larger. And I'll just leave it at that for the moment. Most improved of the year. Got to give this one to the Stanford offensive line. I mean, right from the start against Oregon, they look bigger, stronger, and faster. And major kudos in particular to the interior line. Center Drew Dahlman, guards Branson Bragg, Barrett Miller, and Jake Hornerbrook. And it was nice to see freshman offensive tackle Miles Hinton, too. I think there are some, some flashes of him that were that, that bode very well for the future. As you know, the Stanford offense goes as the offensive line goes. And in all areas, run blocking, pass protection, and I'm sure a bunch of other facets that are beyond my comprehension, market improvement by the guys up front. Well done by the offensive line for the most part. Most improved, certainly from last year. Honorable mentions, Curtis Robinson. I really thought that he looked better as the as the season went along and looked the part of the inside linebacker, especially against Washington. And Austin Jones. I really thought that he became a much more complete player this year, not just running the ball, but pass protection and as a receiver coming out of the backfield too. Under the radar award, I'll give you I'll, I'll go with a three-way tie here. Defensive end Tomas Schaffer, fullback Houston Haimuli. Outside linebacker Stephen Heron. Those three guys, I think, win my under-the-radar award. I thought Schaffer became a presence and, at times, a force on the defensive line this season. Haimuli, letter-perfect in lead blocking against Washington and very steady in most of the other games. Nice to see the fullback making a return to prominence in the Stanford offense. And Stephen Heron's performance against UCLA alone won him a share of this award. But he had a couple of other nice moments throughout the season too. So under the radar, I'm, I'm handing that award three uh, three ways. Tomas Schaffer, Houston Haimuli, and Stephen Heron. Our player of the year, quarterback Davis Mills. I, I really think that that guy is far and away the Stanford player of the year. It took six quarters, the four that he missed against Oregon, and the two that he looked really rusty against Colorado. But we saw Mills at his best, and thank goodness at his healthiest, for much of the year. The accuracy, the decision-making, the athleticism, the ability to lift his guys to make plays when needed most. And above all, we saw the difference when he was on the field and when he wasn't. And what difference that makes for Stanford's fortunes. I was uh, texting with a former player, uh, former Stanford player not too long ago. 
And he says, man, if, that, if QB1 comes back next year, we got a team. We got a team in 21. Agreed. Wholeheartedly. Those are our TreeCast awards for the 2020 season. Congrats to all those who got the hardware. And other hardware will be handed out uh, in the days ahead, I'm sure, for the Pac-12. And look, Carl Doro is going to win Pac-12 Coach of the Year, and rightfully so. But, but do not underestimate uh, David Shaw's coaching job this year. That, that should receive some sort of recognition um, for, for, for what he was able to do, specifically in the final four weeks of the season. I think Davis Mills should be first-team All-Pac-12. Um, in the conference. Drew Dahlman at center. I think he should be first-team con- all-conference, too. And, and I would hope that Simi Fajoko and Thomas Booker also get consideration, too. So, that's it. That's it. I mean, this, this season <laughs> it happened in the blink of an eye, didn't it? But this season, which I thought might be weird and unpredictable, and you just hope you get through it, I, I think that was my exact quote from week one, this season's over. And and at the end, David Shaw had a confession to make to us after the UCLA game. Yeah, there's always going to be a special uh, place in my heart for this group. Um, Unprecedented difficulties. And and you all know them. You know them all. Um, Just starting with, are we going to play? Right? Coming back, sending them home, coming back, pushing the season back. Um, and two of the best, two of the best players in America, understandably said, you know what, I got to get ready for the NFL. This season, there's too much up in the air, right? You know, one of the top corners in America and one of the top left tackles in America. Um, and everybody understood that. That's fine. Um, and then missing Davis for a game and then for an entire week, the next week, um, that was tough, but everything that was, was difficult. Our guys rose to the challenge, um, injuries and all those different things that have happened. The guys all stepped up. So. Um, this team, I, this team should go down. Stanford history, history is one of, if not the most resilient team ever, um, given what they faced and coming back and not being able to come home and winning three straight uh, games uh, away from home, but four straight road games to finish the year. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it's ever happened. I don't know if, it, if this could ever happen again. Well, I hope it never happens again because I hope this situation never presents itself again. But but you certainly get what Coach is saying. This was hard. This was hard, man. I mean, you you heard Shaw use the word exhausted earlier. And and I've heard I've heard that that word used in the context of other programs as well, especially with people inside those respective programs. Folks are ex- exhausted. But this is something. This experience is something that will bond these guys for the rest of their lives, man. They're all going to have some real stories to tell <laughs> from here on out. I've heard the suggestions that someone should make a 30 for 30 out of it all. Okay, I'd watch. I'd check it out. But still, and I've been grappling with this this question for the last couple weeks especially. Was it worth it? Was it all worth it? Was it worth going through everything? The, The stop and starts of the seasons, training camp in Woodside, the bungled COVID test, injuries, starting 0-2 and not looking particularly great doing it, playing in empty stadiums, staying away from friends and family, dealing with the strictest COVID protocols in college football, both by conference and by county, 
getting tested every single day and everybody sweating out those test results, being on the road for three weeks, constant uncertainty, financial drain on the athletic department, the mental drain on everyone. I mean, everything, everything. Was it worth it? It may not be unanimous, but I suspect the overwhelming majority of folks inside the Stanford pro football program would say yes. Now, I'm pretty sure that they'd rather not do it like this again, <laughs> but I would imagine that many of them would say that it's worth it, folks inside the program. As for Stanford fans, probably more of a mixed response. Fans may disagree whether it was worth going through all of that for just six games. Could have been seven. And fans may disagree on, on the value and the importance of it all in the grand scheme of things. I mean, especially this year, right? I mean, quite honestly, so many more important things happened around us in 2020. I mean, so it's like, it's like really? We're doing all of this just to play a football game? I get that. I get that. And I've, I've asked myself that question on several occasions this year. So whether it was go worth going through all of that to get this, it's a very valid question. I'm sure if you ask other Pac-12 programs, you may get a very different answer. I'm not sure UCLA would have thought that it was worth it in some respects after dropping the last two games the way that it did. They're looking a lot better, though. Ask Cal if they think this season was worth it, by the way. Oh, and in related news, Stanford got the axe back this year. That alone may have made it all worth it from a Cardinal perspective. Was it a smooth season? No. Was the quality of the product as, as good as it would have been during a normal season? No. Did I have reservations about playing football during the pandemic and trying to pull this thing off? You bet I did. You bet your sweet bippy I sure did. Did I think it was the safest, most responsible thing to do? Probably not. Were there times I thought the season wasn't going to finish? Uh-huh. Yep. Despite all that, still nice to get those chances this year to watch this team play. Yeah, uh, e even when it was 0-2, <laughs> I, was, I was publicly wondering if there was a win left on the schedule. Go back and listen to that show post-Colorado, uh, uh, the, the post-Colorado episode of the TreeCast. Amazing to hear the difference in between that episode and this one for the most part. But it was nice to see Stanford rebound and reestablish itself. And it was, it was nice to see a football program that continues to represent this university in a world-class fashion. So, so yeah, for, from that perspective, to me, the 2020 Stanford football season was worth it. It was worth it. Stanford football game days are precious to me. They're my favorite days of the year. My absolute favorite days of the year. And hopefully in 2021, we're back to doing those game days right. The way they should be done. You know, on the farm, tailgating, watching the game, keeping an eye on the, keeping one eye on the 42nd play clock every time Stanford has the ball rooting on the card and hopefully celebrating the win and, and looking on to look ahead to what's next. I, I can't wait. I already can't wait. And, and I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind it if Stanford season ends at the Rose Bowl next year too.
That would be cool. Be really cool. A lot to digest. And I certainly have, uh, would love to get your thoughts. I always appreciate your feedback. The best way to do is to is to get me on the Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. That's the way to go. Hashtag TreeCast. You've got thoughts you want to share on the season. Hey, was it worth it to you? Was this season worth it for you? I'd love to get your thoughts on that and anything else that uh, that's on your mind with Stanford football and Stanford sports. Boy, Saturday was a heck of a day, right? The win for football against UCLA. Tara Vanderveer gets win over 1,100. And Stanford men's basketball beats Arizona for the first time since dinosaurs roamed the earth. So a great day for, for Stanford athletics on Saturday, no? Always welcome your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Uh, David Shaw on Stanford football is taking a break. The TreeCast is about to take a break as well. We're going to go on a brief hiatus here. Uh, look, we've been bringing you TreeCasts every week since March. First episode on the Believe Podcast Network posted on March 9th. The whole world stopped three days later. But even so, we still kept it going every single week throughout the super long offseason and then two tree casts a week uh, during the football season. So this right here is our 48th episode that we've done over the last 42 weeks. So we're going to take a break, maybe a special episode before the end of the year. But but barring anything major, we're going to see you after the new year. I certainly thank all of you for supporting the TreeCast, for listening to the TreeCast, for checking us out every week. Uh, whether you've whether you've latched on, look, overall we've been doing this since 2015, the 2015 season. So the TreeCast is not new, even though this was our first year on the Believe Podcast Network. But whether you're an old TreeCast veteran or you just latched on this year, and there were there were times where we did not have good things to talk about. Had some really tough conversations that we had to have this year. But I, I certainly thank you, and I'm certainly grateful for you for being a part of the show. Whether you listened, whether you told people about it, you rated and reviewed, you subscribed. Hey, you can still do all those things, by the way. But I, I certainly appreciate uh, your support of the TreeCast. And this holiday season, I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay healthy, I hope you stay happy, and I hope you stay sane. And we'll see you after the new year. You heard from Stanford head coach David Shaw, Cardinal quarterback Davis Mills, Stanford wide receiver Simi Fajoko, and Cardinal outside linebacker Gabe Reed on this TreeCast. Our thanks to them for making themselves available after, after Saturday's 48-47 double overtime win against UCLA. That that's just so so incredible to say on so many different levels. But but what a win and, and, and what a way for the Cardinal to close out the 2020 season. And with that, we close out the tree cast for the 2020 calendar year, in all likelihood. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. I cannot stress that enough. I can't stress this enough either. Wear a mask, mask it, or casket. We'll see you in 2021. Thank you for being a part of the show, and thank you for joining us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.